Oh, hey, I'm Kevin. I'm here too. All right. Welcome to Chief Chats with Kevin Hobby and Todd Hagopian. I'm Kevin Hobby. And I'm Todd Hagopian. And we have another Ladies of Liberty episode for you today. Uh, we have Jesse Bennett, formerly Jesse the ANCAP, here with us. Jesse, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. So, my name is Jesse Bennett. You guys may have formerly known me as Jesse the ANCAP on Twitter, uh, but I recently decided to put my whole name out there because why not? I'm now Jesse Bennett on there. You may also know me from my work at Emergent Order, which is a small Austin, Texas-based creative studio, which makes films, television shows. We work in both production and development, uh, creative branding, all that sort of stuff in the Liberty space. Oh, that's fantastic. I actually didn't know that. You want to talk? You want to pitch it a little I, bit? I saw your post about it earlier whenever I was going through checking it out. I thought it was super interesting. I wanted to hear you talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I think I have the best job in the world, although I'm a little bit biased. Um, Emergent Order is a phenomenal place to work. So we basically do everything from film production to branding campaigns, marketing. Uh, we've worked on websites. We're kind of all over the map, which is super fun. Uh, some of our recent work that people might know is uh, we did the Mises versus Marks Rat Paddle, which is associated with the Keynes versus Hayek videos from back during the 08 financial crisis. Um, we also recently did a feature film called The Pursuit starring Arthur Brooks and lots of other video and cool content along the way. Wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, uh, we usually start these things with um, you telling us a little bit about what got you started down the movement and, and what that path looked like, if you want to take us through it. Yeah, that's no problem. I, um, I had a kind of weird start, uh, and anybody who's listened to me on other shows probably already knows this. I declared myself an anarchist as a small child, according to my mother. <laughs> <laughs> because I did not like the school rules very much. I did not really know. It's, it's interesting because kids kind of, I think, sometimes have this intuition and we don't really know why. It's like I knew a monopoly on force was wrong, but I didn't know it was called that. <laughs> Something along those lines. So um, fast forward, I guess, because, you know, I'm just a generic young anarchist up until high school. Then I took an AP economics class and man, I just fell in love. So even though it was just supply and demand graphs, I was like, I feel like there's something more here for me. And then read a bunch, landed on Rothbard, and I was like, this is it. This is my political home. I'm an anarcho-capitalist, done. Um, so then I joined a YAL chapter in college, which uh, I enjoyed for two years before dropping out of school, which, you know, it's not for everybody. <laughs> but uh, I enjoyed my YAL chapter while I was there, and now I work in a creative studio that helps uphold these same principles. That's fantastic. Now, YAL, Kevin, do you remember when Cliff told us that they started uh, so they were uh, basically the remnants of the students for Ron Paul, I think in 2008, oh, okay. 2009 is what he was saying, which is okay. crazy because I didn't know that they, that they were, they had started prior to Cliff. I thought Cliff started it. Yeah, um, I did too. So that was kind of an educational <laughs> thing for me. But either way, I would have missed both of those uh, since I'm really old. But um, but that was why I asked because a couple of people now have mentioned that y'all got them in, which is fantastic. I think that's that's great that people are bringing up the fact that that was their introduction to Liberty. Uh, yep. so that, yeah. Yeah, our chapter was both YAL and Students for Liberty because Students for Liberty is more of a resource provider, whereas YAL has very specific events and other types of engagement. So kind of apples and oranges, but got to love them both. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Well, um, Fantastic. So y'all for a couple of years and then and then doing the creative after that. Have you been involved at all in the party from a state party, national party, candidates, anything like that we should know about? 
Yeah, I, uh, I kind of get in on a technicality because it was a very short time period where I was the PR director for the Texas Libertarian Party. Oh, cool. Um, when I had first moved down here, I was just trying to get connected in the movement. Uh, turns out PR and directing a lot of libertarians is not my strong suit. <laughs> but I, I'm really, really thankful to everybody I worked with. I learned a whole lot from them, and it was a great experience. Yeah, we love the Texas Party. They are one of the fun. most fun to follow online. And yeah, they're good <laughs> No filter for most of those guys. Like, oh, it's amazing. Like, you never really think you're going to be in a role where you have to stop and say, please don't declare civil war on Facebook. But (laughs) here we are. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Well, walk us through a little bit um, about your path inside the party once you've gotten in and what it was like, what it's like to be a woman in the party. Um, Good, bad, you know, what. What does that look like right now? Sure. If it's all right with you, I'll just speak to the greater movement since my time in the party was so short. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. So just like, the, I think that the, there's very small differences. I noticed, um, like, obviously there are big issues that disproportionately affect women in this movement, but um, there's a lot of small things that, that you kind of start to notice over time and you almost ignore when you're young in the movement and very excited about the ideas. And I think the biggest one that uh, I just start to notice more and more over time is, man, they really... A lot of men really assume I don't know anything about economics. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I, I try not to use the word mansplain. I really do. I, I try with all my heart not to use any of these like far left termed, uh, pardon, uh, far left coined terminology. But man, I, I um, on Twitter especially, like I'll, I'll post, you know, a take on whatever the hot topic is. And the other day I had somebody respond, I want you to read the Articles of Confederation. <laughs> And I just didn't respond. So I was like, what, what do I say to that? Who hasn't read that? I, no. And then like 10 minutes later, he replies back to his own tweet. And he said, I want you to read it because it'll tell you why the Constitution was written. It's like, I'm not going to lie. I don't think he would say that to a man. I really don't. Right. <laughs> so I think that's one of the smaller negatives. But um, there's a positive side to that, too. Because, you know, when you start quoting Hop out of nowhere, they're like, wait, what the, what the hell? <laughs> so that part's kind of fun. Um, but obviously there are greater issues at hand here other than like just small grating annoyances such as sexual harassment and assault. I mean, I think there's this inclination in our movement because those things are so antithetical to the basic principles that we are all basing our entire ideology on. Like it's clearly a violation of the non-aggression principle and yet it does happen. So I think that there's sort of this sense that we're infallible to that problem. And so it oftentimes goes unnoticed or just remains an open secret. Because there's also this strong sense of personal responsibility among, among libertarians. And so it's like, should people be responsible if something like this happens? There's this whole kind of confused thing, I think. And it's very specific to our way of thinking. And, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it's a serious issue. It's one that messes with your head. And I think we really do need to come together and really try to stop this thing. And so tell us a little bit about, because we, so far, our guests haven't, hit so hard on that yet and so what what i'm trying to get across to the folks who are listening is how big of an issue you've been in workplaces now you've been in college you know with with fraternities and blah 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 now you're in the movement mm-hmm. what is it how bad is it compared to all the other situations you've been in just so people can get an idea of how big this yeah. problem is I mean, I'd say as far as like the percentage of people you're going to encounter where it's going to be an issue, I'd say it's the same as any other workplace or industry or anything. I mean, you know, the same, 
percentage of people are kind of crappy in all scenarios for lack of a more poignant way to put it. But uh, it's just more so a matter of you don't want to disparage the principles. And so it does so often go unnoticed. So I think that's where more the issue lies. So it's not that there's a disproportionate amount of bad people in this movement. It's that those people get away with it more often, I think. Yeah. Um, But yeah, there's, there's definitely some big players that I think would surprise people. Uh, with their behavior. And uh, unfortunately, I'm not in a position to say any names. And I will add one thing. Nobody at my place of work is a problem. I absolutely love everybody I work with. They are all phenomenal. None of them have ever done this. But um, there are some pretty significant players in the movement where this is a massive problem. And I just hope the day of reckoning is coming. Yeah. Yeah. And we saw some of your tweets earlier. That, yeah, I was a little mad today. <laughs> <laughs> <Could> you tell? <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, this might be fun. Like, no, um, no, we appreciate it. We don't, you know, obviously we won't stop you from saying anyone's name, but we're not here to roast anyone either. Uh, <laughs> but but we are here to learn. So what are some of those situations um, where it comes up that we can keep our eyes out, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I I think that one of the common patterns of behavior that I've seen is because these are people with significant power in the movement, there tends to be this habit that a lot of these assailants have where their MO is to get women alone. That's the biggest thing is, you know, okay, well, I can come up with a professional excuse to get you into this cornered scenario where you're just more likely to say yes because you're scared. And it's absolutely evil. It's literally what Harvey Weinstein did. And it's happening in our space every day and something it's going to come to an end soon though. Yeah. Um, and one of our previous guests, um, said that women, women talk about these things quite a bit, uh, amongst themselves. Like they know, mm-hmm. and uh, is that basically yeah. what we're hearing from you too? Yeah, absolutely. The, the biggest thing is really just connecting everybody. More yeah. voices are obviously going to be stronger. Um, I am a big believer in social markets in a sense. Yeah. And so I think that by getting everybody together, getting everybody backing each other up, everybody on the same page, um, you know, once you can verify enough of these stories and it's a certainty that these things are happening, I think that uh, they'll be quote unquote canceled, not yeah. and not because they said something mean and hurt right. somebody's feelings, but because they are genuinely bad people. And that's a yeah. social market of sorts. And I'm and very much for it. Violating the nap. Uh, well, let's go. Let's kind of rewind and get back towards... Um, maybe so that folks can understand exactly how this impacts somebody. So tell us about what that feels like the very first time you're, you're excited, you get into Liberty, you're in this movement and then something like that happens. You know, what does that do? It throws you for a loop for sure. Um, You feel very professionally disrespected, which is very frustrating as somebody who's excited about these ideas, which let's be honest, I've never met anybody more excited about their ideas than libertarians. (laughs) So um, yeah, it's just weird. It's kind of earth shattering in a way. It's like, you're going about it. You're on top of the world. You want to make the world a better place through these ideas. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this person that I had a lot of professional respect for now views me as an object. It certainly makes you less excited about liberty to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. We had a a pretty good conversation um, with Maggie uh, your friend about that earlier. It was a, it was pretty interesting. Just learning about how you know most most women that get into the movement are younger and are doing that um, during the college years. Yeah. You know, and and um, are already dealing with anxiety and those are the those years. You know what I mean? And then you walk mm-hmm. into a room and something like that happens. 
what's it like also away from the sexual harassment for a minute? What's it just like being when you walk into a room of 10 or 20 people and you're, you're the, the only one or the only one of three women? What does that make you feel? Yeah, I I wish I could speak to that better. I um, just working in the film industry, being an audio engineer, listening to mostly punk and metal. Most of the rooms I walk into to pursue my interest tend to be predominantly male. So it's just something I'm very desensitized to and can't really speak to too extensively. Um, I've been told that it can be very high pressure, but um, I just from I don't know. I don't really feel any different walking into a room of any uh, gender proportionality (laughs) versus another. So as far as the the liberty movement, you've you've discussed, you know, there's some um, there's some issues within the liberty movement. There's um, some big players and things like that. But you feel like, um, you know, that's that's going to change. Is there something that that you feel like the movement overall is doing? Um, Is the movement overall recognizing this and, and it's becoming more to the forefront or is there something else that's going on? And to piggyback off that, um, what is something that we could do as the in the liberty movement um, as males to, you know, help this along, help females within the movement in these issues? Yeah, no, I can absolutely speak to that. Um, I, I feel it's going to change mainly because of social listening studies I've done. Um, I like to just sort of feel out the landscape on social, see what people are talking about. And man, this has been in the public discussion for a while now. Also, there have been instances where people associated with some of these incidents are now starting to block anybody that talks about them, which leads me to believe they're scared. And if they're scared, uh, we're doing something right. So that is all going on at the moment. And um, I, I, there are other things at work here. I, I'm not in a position to speak to those at the moment, though, for legal reasons. Um, but there are things happening, and it's, it's about to change. As far as things that men in the movement can do, um, I would just say if you see something, say something. That's the biggest one. Not to sound like Uncle Sam, but if <laughs> genuinely, if, if you see somebody treating women poorly, call them out. Keep your female friends away from them. Do what you can to just make this environment that, you know, foster a safe environment for everybody. Because, you know, half of the population are women. So we kind of need them on board to make this movement work out. Just my opinion. But Yeah. Oh, yeah, and let's um, we'll transition a little bit. We can always come back, come back to this. But let's talk about that part for a minute. What, how do we go about taking small steps or big steps to bring more women into the movement? We can talk about how to keep them after that, because obviously you need to not harass them, you know, to keep them. <laughs> <laughs> it sure but, helps. <laughs> yeah, but I think one of the issues uh, that that our previous guest had brought up is just the fact that not enough are coming in the door to begin with. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you think about that and what might be done to help yeah. that out. Yeah, no problem. So um, I think part of it is the recruitment tactics are very, very aggressive as it stands now. Um, it's almost like they were written for men, by men, which, well, they were. So I, I think that we just need a, more, a larger variety of recruitment tactics. I think that we need to be hiring more women who can speak the language, who can bring in more women, and I think that those are honestly the main two things is our messaging as it stands now is very aggressively masculine. And uh, while that works on some of us weirdos, it's not going to pull in everybody. So I just think we need to find, uh, I think a lot of it's experimentation. I, I think that these organizations that are very focused on recruitment need to be doing more to just try new things messaging wise. Don't be afraid to uh, be a little bit looser with your brand. Yeah. 
and and the organizations you're talking like Young Americans for Liberty, LP National. I really wasn't thinking of any in particular. Um, yeah, no organization in particular. I'm just thinking about all the messaging I was subjected to as a young libertarian. There are like so many crossover little factors and how they place it. It's like, what are you doing literally right now at this time? Can you come to my event? If not, tell me why you can't be at my event. That, no, 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 no. That does not work on the majority of women, at least in my experience with my female friends. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, it's an interesting time in the party. You know, we had a, we have a female presidential candidate. We have um, Angela McCardo is going to run for chair. You know what I mean? So we've got a strong female running for chair. Um, several females are rising up inside of Young Americans for Liberty, it seems, though, uh, which is Very awesome. exciting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, it feels like there's more leaders coming into, into different state chapters as well. Um, I think Texas. Didn't Texas just elect a female chair? It was, um, man, what's her name? Uh, Kevin, it's our region chair, our region rep. I thought she won, but maybe not. Um, but anyway, so there's, they're being, you know, elected, nominated, moving up in all these different areas. Um, how can that help? And, and what can we do to help people at the lower level start moving up? Like what? What helped um, you become more loud in the movement? You know, what has helped some of your friends become more uh, powerful in the movement? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was always kind of loud. <laughs> I'm, just a big, I'm just a loud person. Um, so that wasn't really an issue for me personally. But um, what I've seen with a lot of my friends who are a bit more soft-spoken at first is just being listened to, I think is a big deal. Um, I think that when we're speaking with people about politics and econ and all of these issues, even if we don't agree with them 100%, I think gatekeeping is a big part of it, but if you don't agree with somebody 100%, still listen to them. Even if they're on your team for 99% of the issues, don't just start yelling as soon as they say the 1% that you disagree with. We are going to get nowhere if we continue with that losing strategy. Um, so I think that listening is a huge part of it. If somebody's soft-spoken, well, shut up a little bit more and match them and we'll, we'll get a whole lot further. But I think, uh, I mean, you're, you're bringing up a lot of the social um, strategy, which I think is really interesting because I'm, you know, a sales guy, I'm in business uh, and you do a lot of that matching when you're talking to somebody, you know, if somebody's soft-spoken and I go in there and I, I'm a hammer, you know what I mean? But if I walk in and somebody's soft-spoken, you can't, you can't take that same tactic in that, in that meeting. Um, so I think it's interesting the points you're bringing up and people yeah. need to understand how to sell liberty you know, if Absolutely. Yeah. No, I look to, uh, oh, I wish I could remember the name of the author, the challenger sale a lot though, yeah. mm -hmm. because there's a way that you can kind of propose that question, that next step for them in a way that's not aggressive. It's not going to put them off, but it makes them ask more questions. Yeah. I think that's super duper valuable. I mean, the interpersonal skills of individuals in the movement, um, are definitely something that I think we need to all work on. I think that people oh, are. Oh, you think that libertarians <laughs> have bad interpersonal skills? Wait. I naturally do too. I naturally do too. But for the sake of freedom, I've learned to talk to people. <laughs> no, I, I do absolutely think that we need to work on it. I think that people very much underestimate how much day-to-day -day recruitment we can do. And I know I'm sounding a little bit like a cult leader here. I'm aware of that. But I think there is a certain element of that in our everyday lives. If, if you meet somebody who seems politically interested, but maybe a little bit orphaned as far as where to talk to them, just yeah. talk to them about it nicely. They'll get you so far. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm joking because 
a we have we have quite a um, quite a wide array of personalities in the movement, and, That's and fair. many of them are not um, are not good at selling. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> many of them are in different industries than the selling industry. Uh, um, and then and then B, our movement has been so geared in the last four, five, ten years towards social media, uh, where filters get even looser. You know what I mean? That um, that the movement has just become a lot of yelling and loud and filterless, um, not even discussion so much as arguments. Um, and so I think that it's interesting that you bring up the challenger sale and, and it's something that we can all think about is, is what can we do to teach people how to speak liberty better? And that can be, you know, at the local level, Kevin, when we're, when we're running state conventions and local conventions and things like that, bringing in people and, um, but it is, you, you have that chance every time you talk to somebody to say it one way or to say it the other. Yeah. <laughs> and if you, you know, and, and life is all about just making a couple better decisions a week, you know, same with recruiting for Liberty. Yeah, no kidding. I, I think that um, a lot of this stuff I've learned actually from the films that we've worked on over at Emergent Order, um, like The Pursuit with Arthur Brooks. He's just such a level-headed and charismatic guy, Arthur that I think that we could all stand to learn a lot from the way he approaches people in the documentary that, you know, he disagrees with about economics. And also the film takes such a kind of positive look on econ and these bad things that are going on. Arthur's just such a like intrinsically positive and optimistic guy. And I think that that's a take we can all learn from. Um, and Mises versus Marx. We read so many Marx books to make sure that we were fair to Marx. <laughs> and I think there's a lot to be learned from that too. You have to read the, the opposition's literature and that sort of thing, though we did not view him as opposition. We wrote right. them both fairly and accurately. Maybe talk about those two a little bit, um, however much you want without spoiling the whole thing, uh, but just to get people a preview of what that's like and where they can find them, because I'd be interested in this and I think folks would be interested. I, I, the, the one thing that I remember seeing from the libertarians that I really liked was, um, oh man, shouldn't have brought it up because now I'm going to forget his name, but the gentleman, <laughs> and the donor in California uh, that has helped quite a few libertarians uh, that runs a, a tomato company or something. I can't remember. Man, you're um, Chris Roofer. Roofer. What's his name? Yeah. Is it Chris? Um, Roofer. But anyway, um, he, he developed um, a short, kind of spiel on libertarian, like a five minute movie um, that really I, I didn't see until this year for the first time. And it blew me away on how effective it was. You know what I mean? And and I've never seen it. I couldn't find it on YouTube. You know what I mean? Like we need to get better at not only making that stuff, but then getting it out there and, and helping people understand how to have these conversations. So talk a little bit about your favorite projects. Oh, absolutely. And I'll, I'll make a quick note before that. I, I agree completely that we need to get this stuff more out there. That's why I love what we do in Emergent Order so much is, you know, it's not just about the films. It's about the impact associated with the films. Yeah. I mean, uh, with Mises versus Marx, um, which I'll speak to in, in a moment, I was uh, working on an impact campaign to get this thing in front of as many college students as possible. It's all about that. Um, we did do that one. In a, uh, we, it was produced by the Association, the American Institute for Economic Research, by the way. They, uh, we did the project for them. So that one is basically an epic rap battle between Karl Marx and Ludwig von Mises. So it's uh, exactly what it sounds like. It's about 10 minutes and it's a whole lot of fun. Uh, we also had some pretty big name YouTube stars play Mises and Marx. Uh, Tripp and Tyler run a pretty substantial YouTube channel. So if those names 
yeah. pop out to anybody. Please watch it. <laughs> so that was a really fun piece. Where can people find that? Yes, just on YouTube. If you search Mises versus Marx for really? the first suggested video, that one awesome. does live on AIER's YouTube channel. Um, okay. However, you can see a little preview of it over on Emergent Orders channel, where you can also watch the rap video that started it all. Oh, Keynes versus Hayek, back from 08. That lives there. Um, other projects. The Pursuit, which I just mentioned. Yeah, like I said, it's a feature documentary featuring Arthur Brooks. It's his journey around the world to discover the ways in which capitalism has lifted the people at the margins of society out of poverty. It's a beautiful documentary, if I do say so myself. And you can find that on, I believe, Apple TV. And I want to say it's still on Amazon. It was previously on Netflix and no longer is. You can watch that trailer also at youtube.com slash emergent order. Uh, um, I was talking about a series today that was relevant. LoveGov. LoveGov is a fun one. So that was a short web series we did for the Independent Institute where basically what if the government was a bad boyfriend? And it's super fun. It's super witty. And that one you can find on the Independent Institute's YouTube channel. And, and say the name one more time. LoveGov. And uh, Love. season two specifically is uh, deals with some things with healthcare. It deals with some things with uh, the housing industry. Lots of little niche topics that uh, we all know and love. And and I'll add the links in into the description. Yeah, do that. So we've got do that. that. That's pretty interesting. I think. Uh, I mean, I love this stuff. This is the kind of things that libertarians need to do more of. You know, you can um, write a hundred tweets a day. You know, and people are going to see one or two of them, um, and they're going to think hard about you know none of them. Uh, so if you're lucky maybe one of them yeah. but this kind of thing I mean I still think about that video I watched you know what I mean you and you put these videos in front of people and 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 if they can teach people how to make the same argument or even how to start the argument and say you know what I'm not the guy to make the argument but go YouTube this you know and you'll you'll be able to see what I'm talking about that's mm -hmm. all we need is to drive people to it um, and you, you get that much more exposure for the entire idea yeah, I write the tweets to hold the audience to watch the movies, like in that order. <laughs> right. I write the tweets because I'm really angry. <laughs> that's and that's all that happens. <laughs> you saw my Twitter tonight. We all do it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin, what you got? Um, I just want to piggyback on something because I don't want her to get left out, but. Um, Region 7 um, from Texas, that uh, Whitney is who you were trying to think of. Yeah. So we have Whitney and Aaron, both are the reps for Region 7 and the LP. And did Whitney win Texas or no? Yes, no. Whitney won Whitney won Texas, and then she won re-election in her uh, region, and then her alternate is Aaron Adams. So we have two. Okay, but is she the state, she's the state yeah. chair of Texas right now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know her? just don't want to leave them out yeah no sorry yeah i'm horrible with names so i do that all the time i'm like yeah this one person oh yeah we'll, we'll think about that <laughs> so, yeah no whitney's great um so i mean we've got you know leaders coming up all over the place but i think messaging is going to be key i mean obviously everyone can be a leader in a really small pond um and then we'll still never grow we need to bring more people into this and i think what you guys are doing is fantastic i just think it's uh it's probably, especially in this day and age when people are spending so much time on the internet and that's where they're getting their news. YouTube isn't YouTube the number one search engine now or something like that. I mean, um, which is hilarious to me, right? So, <laughs> so that's not my go-to, but but that's where everyone goes. Um, and um, 
I just think it's the perfect way to spread liberty and in, in a big way. Um, and and I don't know, you know, I don't know, I don't know how many companies are doing it. Do you know? Are there other ones out there? There there are a few. Um, a lot of them are more targeted on certain things. Some are the nonprofit space. Some are not. Some are client based. Some are originals. So it's really a matter of variety. Um, is there anybody else who does exactly what we do? No. Okay. And what's the mission of the org? Like what is, what is kind of, what is it? Why are you doing it? What is the goal? You know, how long has it been around? Give, it, give me a little bit more background. Yeah, sure. So the company is about 10 years old and it started back during the 2008 financial crisis when John Popola was inspired by Russ Roberts to do the Keynes versus Hayek rap video. So that was kind of the origins of the company. And now we're just promoting these principles that we all love so much through empathetic and kind media. So we just, we reach audiences and we tell better stories from the bottom up. Stories from the bottom up. I really like that. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Mises approves. (laughs) (laughs) Do you work at all with the Mises caucus of the LP? Um, I was plugged into it for a short while. I'm in a uh, Austin and Caps group where I've got some friends that are involved to an extent. So I I hear plenty from them. The uh, the last flyer mock-ups came up really nice. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's about the extent of my knowledge. Yeah, I uh, unfortunately could not fit the LP into my schedule anymore, but uh, yeah. I've got much respect for what you guys do. It's a good mission, yeah. and I'm always happy to see you guys succeed. Well, we always love anybody who's promoting liberty. You know, we, especially on this podcast, we love anybody who's in the movement. So, anybody yeah. you want to plug, anything you want to plug, how can people find you? Yeah, no problem at all. So if anybody wants to keep up with my work, the place where I'm going to mostly post about it is Twitter. So you can follow me. I'm Jesse Bennett at Jesse Nicole B. That's J-E-S-S-I-N-I-C-O-L-E-B. You can also listen to the podcast I regularly produce for Emergent Order. It's hosted by our CEO and film director, John Popola. It's called the Emergent Order Podcast. And you can find that on any place you like to listen to your podcast. We also publish the videos to our YouTube channel, which I think I've said before, but just in case, is youtube.com slash emergent order. Very good. And and Kevin, I'll put all those links up there. Uh, so that's fantastic. And yeah, definitely we might pick your brain on how to you know do a podcast one of these days. <laughs> you need audio help too. That's my main niche. I'm an audio engineer. So anything I can do, let me know. Which I know it's super ironic because I, I call you on these... $20 headphones, but uh, I didn't feel like bringing home the good mic. I'm sorry. I hope that's okay. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> well, hey, thank you so much for coming. Yeah. yeah, thanks for having me. This is so much fun. Yeah, fun. thanks so much. We'd love to have you back on again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll I love doing these. I mean, I never shut up, so I'm happy to come on anytime. <laughs> After we watch some of these videos, we're probably going to watch you back on and, and see. Um, and anytime you got a new video, make sure to kick it our way and we'll talk about it. Yeah, of course. I would love that. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Have a good one.